Attack life, not others, with Tim Hoover and Steve Mittman. All right, Tim, we've got a special guest on the show today. He is one of your students. He's gone on to train in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I'll let you explain why he is on the show today. Well, in the martial arts, we're blessed with the uh, students who, who train with you, and then they go off in their life and they make something of themselves. And so I hadn't heard from Cyrus in a while, and he emailed me. And he said, I just want to let you know I am becoming a surgeon. I am very proud of the journey that I had with you and your school and all the values I've learned and the things that I've learned I applied and will apply to my future profession. And he said, I wrote a short statement and I'd like you to read it. And I did. And I was just taken back by it because it, in his choice of words, it just says everything in a nutshell about why it's so important to train in the martial arts, especially a young mind like his. And now he's got direction and he's got his life ahead of him. And I'm very, very proud of him. Even though he says a lot of it has to do with the martial arts, a lot of it was there already. I just helped develop it. And so did his parents and his sister and other people around him. But he surrounded himself in that place we call the village of positive thinking people who created this, this, this way for him. And he's now following his success. And it's just exciting for me. So then I called him and then I called you and asked to see if we could get him on the podcast to talk about this a little bit, because I think it is specifically very, very interesting for our teenager group who is growing up doing a very, very difficult time and has to make these very big decisions in a very short period of time. And whatever you do in life, you're going to have to do it repetitiously, day in and day out you got to like it. If you don't like it, you don't want to show up. And then it becomes something that you look and say, well, did I make the right choice? And talking to Cyrus, he is sure that he made the right choice and he is ecstatic about starting his journey. So Cyrus, I'll let you take it from there. Thank you, Sensei Hooper. What an introduction. Um, I, I do want to talk a little bit about what I, what I wrote as part of my residency application. But before I do that, I do just want to say that there's so much that I've seen out there so far in, in my life, as far as, you know, the motivational speakers and, and life lessons and those kinds of things. But it's very hard to relate to those things and uh, to take those lessons with you and apply them in your life. If you don't, you know, have, have real tangible experiences with them and the things like the six selves we have and the dojo rules, those are not just, for me, those are not just, you know, the words of a motivational speaker or something that you could, you know, read in a book you buy somewhere. We lived those things, you know, from the age of five, I had so many experiences tied to all of the selfs and dojo rules that have really stuck with me. And like, I've used those in my daily life so many times to get me through so many uh, difficult situations. You know, let me jump in yeah, here. Me, so Cyrus, you're talking about the six selves and that's awesome for those that maybe train at Hoover Karate, but for those listening around the world on the podcast, we've talked about this before on the show, Tim, way back yeah. when he started the school, he realized that if this is going to become a true system, there has to be a philosophy and there has to be a mental attachment. Can't just be all physical and that's self-discipline, self-respect, self-control, self-confidence, self-defense and self-awareness. Tim, in recent years, you've been taking it a step further, which I love. You reverse all of them. 
And you say, I do. Discipline self, respect self, control self, confident self, defend self, and awareness of self. So that makes you kind of think things in a different way. And it really, really kind of, you own it at that point. And it really settles into your brain and makes you think about it and um, take it in in a different way. But Cyrus, so what, so what you're saying is, is you've, lived all of those through your martial arts journey, but now even more so in what you're about to, uh, you know, this, this new chapter of your life, you're becoming uh, a doctor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, um, in about one month, I will graduate medical school. I will start my residency training program in general surgery at, um, university of California in Davis. This is a dream come true for me. One, the, the dream is really just to be a surgeon and, I, I do want to talk about what that means to me, but especially going to this training program at Davis, this is an amazing program. I feel so lucky to um, have matched there, you know, sets up the rest of my life in a way that I really didn't think would be possible. Um, but there are directly relevant applications of the self, like physical, literal things. And I'll, I want to share some stories. And then there are also, of course, the mental and then spiritual correlations. And definitely the most important one for me has been self-discipline and disciplining the self. I think that, and I can only speak from my perspective as someone in the medical field, but I have to imagine that in any uh, part of society that you land in and any goal or career or calling that you pursue, if you're going to be successful, you're going to have to do things that you do not want to do. And there's no way around that. I think that's lost on a lot of, and I hate to be one of these people saying, oh, kids these days, but just in some of my peers, even not everyone appreciates that, uh, you know, to endure hardship for it builds character and things like, you know, running around Whitehall barefoot in the snow. Did I want to do that at the time? Probably not. Was it a little easier the next time? Cause my feet were a little tougher and stronger. Yeah. Um, was I able to go on longer runs after that? Yeah. Did, uh, in the summertime when it's hot out, jumping rope for 20 minutes with a mouthful of water that at the end we had to spit out. And if we had swallowed any, we would have to do it again. Did I want to keep jumping after, I didn't want to keep jumping after five minutes, let alone after 15 minutes, but am I glad that I built up the discipline to keep doing that? Of course, because there's so many times uh, in, in my path with these crazy board exams and all the studying and staying up late and doing calls where you're up for 24 hours. Those are things that in the moment you don't, I didn't want to, I don't want to do them. Even to this day, I don't want to stay up for 24 hours and be, you know, going to see patients and interviewing them and trying to figure out what's wrong with them. But, you know, you, again, these are just things that you have to do um, in surgery in particular. Sensei Steve, I remember big Steve, when we were little, six, seven years old and, you have to stand in ready position. And we were listening to, sometimes it was philosophy what we're talking about right now. Sometimes it was just demonstrating technique. And, you know, you've been exercising, you're sweating, the sweat is dripping down your eye and your eye really itches. And you go to itch and scratch that eye and all of a sudden you've broken out of ready position and then it's time for push-ups. Does any seven-year-old like having to stand at attention and only blinking and breathing? Blink and breathe, he would say. No, but... Now, in, you know, when I'm at the end of an eight-hour surgery and you're covered in sterile 
gloves and gown and mask and your visor is fogged up and the sweat is dripping into my eye, that's no problem because I just think back to those times with Sensei Steve where it was ready position and blink and breathe. Another thing from Big Steve, this one I think is probably the most important uh, direct and tangible one, those forearm and grip drills where, you know, you hold your hands out to the side and you'd be squeezing and opening your fist and closing your fist side front top 50 times and then rolling the wrists and so on. There are a lot of times in surgery as a medical student where your job is to hold a retractor, you know, a metal, a piece of metal to pull some tissue out of the way and you have to keep your hand in that position. So the primary surgeon can see what they're doing and, and has exposure to the right um, organs and tissues and so on. Do my forearms burn sometimes? Yeah, of course they do. Am I starting to get a cramp? Yeah, sometimes. But I, again, think back to Big Steve and, and those drills and that burn, and it feels like like nothing compared to that, you know? And I, I think, Cyrus, too, that anybody relating to this, the names could be Harry, John, uh, Jim, it could be located at any school, anywhere where they practice, you know, tough martial arts. And a lot of parents don't get it today. But if if the desire's there, you know, it'll push you to be better down the road, just like some of the things that you're saying. Um, and, and as Steve said, there's a lot of people who hear this podcast from all over the world. And these dojos and the martial arts exist all over the world. It's one of the oldest things that's not a fad. It's been around for a long time for good reasons. But I think it all comes down. You can have a dojo anywhere, but it all comes down to the instructors and um, the way it's done. And all these things, too, they might sound bizarre to some people, but they're obviously done in a safe way, too. And I think the, the point is, is that you could have swallowed that water, but you didn't. Uh, you could have dropped your arm, Cyrus, but you didn't. Um, you could have, have shuffled some way out of that ready position, but you didn't. And, it, and that shows the, the person that who you are, that's who you are. And that's what's made you successful. And, and that's what always going to keep you together and keep you going straight forward rather than in reverse. Um, that's what we were trying to impress in our, our last week's podcast is, is about you got to want it enough. You know, you got to want it enough. And, and that's the difference between being good and great. Um, do me a favor, would you? Would you read that first paragraph of the essay you wrote? Sure, sure. And just for some context, this, like I had mentioned, was part of my application for residency programs, which you have to complete after you finish medical school to eventually become licensed and board certified to practice medicine independently. This application process is the most consequential thing I've done in my professional life so far. And I picked my journey in the martial arts as the topic for it because it really has made me who I am today. So I say, my journey in the martial arts has made me who I am today. Training at the Karate Academy instilled at an early age several core principles that have proven invaluable throughout my life. I practiced discipline and respect multiple times a week beginning at the age of five. I learned the value of stamina and delayed gratification as I practiced endless repetitions, working towards a goal several years away as an early teenager. In my later teenage years, I became an assistant instructor and realized my passion for teaching as I appreciated how powerful teaching could be as a means of introspection and understanding one's craft. The qualities of strong leadership, trust, efficient communication, 
and respect for the order of the institution were essential to maintain a safe training environment. These lessons are a fundamental part of who I am, which is why I felt such an overwhelming sense of purpose the first time I entered an operating room. See, that says it all. I mean, you know, you talk about gratification, immediate gratification, which you don't get in the martial arts. Uh, you talk mm-hmm. about long-term goals, discipline, uh, respect for the people around you. You know, I feel like a lot of these things are disappearing at such a fast rate. I look at what you wrote in that paragraph, and that encompasses all six selves just like that, just what you say. It, mm-hmm. it sets it all up for success. And Cyrus, mm-hmm. I remember this, and I, I remember this as I look back. And this, you got to remember, I taught you when you were five years old. Now you're going to be 30. And yep. so... I remember when you quit, you were young, you were five, I think you were just starting out. I think you tried it for five or six months or whatever. And I remember you took a short pause and I remember I was worried about you because your sister was training too at the time. And, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I know your dad started too later on, but I remember your mother approaching me and said, Cyrus will be back. You have to understand. I know him. He will be back. And sure enough, within a couple months, you came back and never quit. And I think that's the other part that's essential, too, is the missing component in all of this is the village creates success. It's the mother and the father. It's the student and it's the family around you and the school. So what she did is she encouraged me not to give up on you. And she probably encouraged you to come back. So many parents today Hey, you know, five, you're five year old, you're nine or you're 11. You're supposed to know what you want. You don't know what you want. Mm -hmm. And so they come in and say, mom and dad, I'm getting bored. I don't, you know, let me try something else. Well, you know what? They do try something else. And then they try something else again and again and again. And the ability to stick to it is lost. The encouragement of the parents, well, you need to go back. And by the way, your goal is black belt, not orange not green, not brown, but you need to complete that, that journey. And then we'll see how you feel once you get to black belt. That's rare today. And your mom encouraged mm-hmm. that. And she said, you'll be back and you did come back. And that's huge. Mm-hmm. And I think you remember that. I don't know if you do, but I think you probably remember that feeling. Am I right? Yeah, I do. Um, and that's, it's hard to, I can't say I have any one favorite uh, dojo rule, but um just a big principle that never say die attitude. That is also along with the discipline. I think something that everyone could use more of. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, now, I mean, it's it, that, that never say die attitude. That's something that I use every day. It gets harder as you get older and it's hard when you're young too. It never stops being hard. And so these, these values of the selves and the different things that we talk about pushes through the endure hardship for Bill's character. And if you're better, then you can make the world better around you. And I know you're going to do that because that's who you are. That's who you've always been. Cyrus, keep up the great work. You're going to be a great surgeon. And any one of your patients are going to be lucky to have you as a, as a doctor. Thank you for being on the show today to help others maybe that are younger than you, teenagers, even younger than that, to inspire them, to show them what's possible when you apply all the concepts that we've talked about on today's episode. Yeah. And I just really appreciate you being on a show, Cyrus. I thank you for your time and your energy and your success. 
Thank you, Cynthia Huber, and thank you, Steve, for having me. Thank you for listening to Attack Life, Not Others. Subscribe to our podcast. And for more on our way of life through the martial arts, go to hooverkarate.com. This has been a Steve Mittenin social media creation. Steve Mittenin social media.com. 